God has handmade us. Everybody say, I am. am. Y'all said that too fast. Handmade. Handmade. I should have given you the whole sentence. I am handmade. handmade. Yeah. In Genesis 1.27, one of our key verses says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We mentioned last week about in ancient languages, the, the law of the first mention, the second mention, the third mention. This, this verse mentions that we were created by God three times and, and that we were in God's image twice. That's bold language. That's saying, listen, <clears throat> this is so important, I'm going to repeat it so that you'll get it. You have been created by God in his image. You have. I mean, it's stunning to me how many people have a very low self-image. I mean, we see ourselves, right? What did Michael Jackson say, looking at the man in the mirror, right? And we see our flaws, and we see the things that aren't necessarily in maybe other people's views perfect and we might look down upon ourselves and say well I I wish I could be like and you just kind of whatever you want to fill in that blank if I could just be like this person then maybe I would feel good about myself but in reality in reality you don't need to be like anyone else God has made you. We've talked about this verse from Psalm 139. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully doesn't mean afraid. It means awesome. That I am made awesome and I am made wonderful by God. That these works that God has placed inside of me. That here I am and just as I am. As unique as I am. Those of you that have been here through this series, I've talked a lot about the fingerprint. That somehow or another, God, in his powerful, created, creative ability, was able to create mankind in such a way that no two humans on the face of the planet share the same fingerprint. Now, I don't know how God puts billions upon billions of different designs on that. That's not a lot of space. That's not a very large canvas. But yet God, in his infinite wisdom, in the way that God does things, created us so unique that he did not create any one of us with the same fingerprint. You are special. You are special and you are made unique in the image of God. No other part of God's creation Made in his image. Our dog, Maddie. My family's been on vacation this week. David, Karen, Holford are so gracious every time, uh, almost every time ever. It's like, you know, almost every time we've ever been out of town in four and a half years having this dog, David, Karen, take her to the farm. She goes from being an eight Pound, supposed to be five pounds. She's on a diet. Huh? 
You know, she, she gains all of this weight when, when she's at the farm. <laughs> oh, she really does. Um, like the food access there is unrestricted. It's like sending your children, and she is one of ours. You send your children to the grandparents. It's like, oh, we'll do whatever we want to do, and then we send you home, and then the parents have to deal with it. Um, smart little thing. Matter of fact, it was really funny. She wasn't at your house 30 minutes, I think. You sent a picture of her. She was standing at the food bowl eating. <laughs> you said, that's right. That's my grandkid. And then, she normally is this eight-pound ball of frou-frou. You got a frou-frou dog? You know what I'm talking about? It's not like one of them... Like Pastor Spunky, I talked about it. He's got a dog named Duke. Duke is just rock of a dog. That ain't no frou-frou dog. I mean, like Duke can hit you with his tail and leave bruises. You ever had a dog? You, you know what I'm talking about. You shaking your head, Chandra. You been hit by that tail? And whack, whack, whack. I mean, it's just like, oh, It's the truth. The truth, Duke. I mean, Duke's like this. You know, you've seen Pastor Spunky. You know, Pastor Spunky's like this. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I do have cool pants. I'm the guy in the red shirt that I think Spunky had on checkered flannel or something this morning. Fru fru. We send her out to the farm. She becomes a farm dog. Today she smells like a farm dog. Tomorrow she goes to the groomer and she becomes frou-frou again. (laughs) She'll have a 4th of July bow in her hair. Get all that dirt off of her. Dave brought her in this, this morning. They, brought, they delivered her to the church because we were so tired yesterday after driving in from Texas. Dave brought her in, set the carrier right here on the stage. Of course, y'all weren't here yet. Then opened the door, and out she came running. She knew exactly who to go to, when to go to it, because that dog loves her mama. But she's still not in the image of God. I declared last week all dogs go to heaven. I had to amend that a little bit in first church day, also off horses, so and cows. So our heaven's going to have a farm. So the Lord's going to give us the desire of our heart. The, the reality of this idea that even though these little animals and these different ones, I mean, Karen talking about her, she trains these Morgan horses and they. They do all of these fantastic things, and, and they can talk to you, and you can talk to them, and they understand. And they can they pick that. I mean, it's so smart, these animals, but yet, but yet they're not created in God's image. You have been created in God's image, just, just like you are, very unique, very unique. Matter of fact, I think every so often we ought to just step back and say, I am a child of God, I am created in his image, and I am awesome. And all this stuff. And because we were created unique, and because 
in that uniqueness, we have been given a purpose. And because we have that purpose, God has poured into us his gifts. I want to talk today about where all this culminates. It all culminates in the reality that you are not just a hunk of clay. That matter of fact, in your life, you must recognize that although we are own the potter's wheel, the potter has a way of pulling out of us that which is called our destiny. I love this verse. I reiterate this verse. I talk about this verse. I preach on this verse so often. Those of you that are here all the time can quote it. I love this verse. You love this verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, you got to get that somewhere in the cranium. you got to get that somewhere between your ears. Something's got to explode up here to recognize that God has his hand on your life and that God has a destiny for you that is a good destiny, that God has made a good plan for your life. God has made a good plan, even if things seem just a little out of kelter at times. God has made a good plan for your life. Matter of fact, I think we ought to herald more from the church that God is interested in our success. Come on. I mean, I was was kind of raised in a religious perspective that didn't necessarily think that very well. You know what I mean? I was raised thinking that God was kind of like after me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was the Godfather and Jesus the hitman or something. You know what I'm saying? That, that you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were conspiring against me. You know, that, that somehow or another, uh, God didn't care if I was happy. That God didn't care if I went to hell. Come on, somebody. Listen, he's not willing that any should perish. That's what that word declares. God has a good plan for your life. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to be happy. But if we live our entire lives trying to be somebody else or try to do what somebody else is doing or try to live their destiny, listen, God doesn't expect you to live out somebody else's destiny. You have a destiny. Some of those frustrating moments in any of our lives is when we, when we don't understand this powerful thing that, that God has made a good plan for me. That, you know, I, I love what Earl Roberts used to say, that God is a good God. You know, it stuns me how that stunned people in the 1960s. I mean, like, what do you mean by that? God's a good God. What do you mean by saying that? You know? And then, I mean, did he addendum that with, and something good is going to happen for you? And, I mean, people just kind of indignantly in the church just kind of put their hands on their hips and says, well, who's he to say something's good don't happen to me? It wasn't just about God being a good God, something good's going to happen to me. You know, they started singing that song. We sang it when I was growing up, but we didn't necessarily believe it. Something good is going to happen today. I mean, we kind of had this saying, well, unless Jesus has his hand on the reject button, this may be my day for him to hit the button. You know? I mean, like God was at any moment just hovering over there and said, 
Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Fall off into a shark pit. Help me. Is this how you preach when you have a cold? I guess it is. He's not looking to discard you. God's not looking to discard you. You are unique and special, and you have a, a special destiny. Matter of fact, look with me again. We, we, we covered the last half this last half, but Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Listen to this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Think about this, that God is so interested in your life that he has marked out a race for you. Huh. He has marked out a race. I mean, how dismal would it be to run a race without marks? I mean, like everybody line up at the marathon line and they go, ready, go. And just everybody scatter in all different directions. How do you even know? How do you even know? Where you're at in the race, if it hasn't been marked out for you. They build it to me that we were going on a sunset cruise. Everybody say sunset cruise. What comes to mind? You know, sunset, nice boat, other things. Sunset, cruise, cruise, that's what they, cruise. Sunset, cruise. This is what we did on Wednesday, a sunset cruise with Captain Tom from the Tiki Hut. (laughs) You got to do it sometime. It's handsome sailors, what he called himself. I don't know if he was handsome, but he was a sailor for sure. <laughs> Sell all around the world. Matter of fact, I mean, he's pretty proud of the fact that he has a merchant life. He, not, he can't ju- I mean, he's, can, he can sell a boat anywhere in the world in international waters with the papers he carries. He showed it to us. We looked at it. It's pretty cool. I was thinking people would be on this thing. There, was, there were six in our group and two more. on a sailboat catamaran from the 1970s on this sunset cruise. He goes, hey, by the way, if you've got to go to the bathroom, there is a, like a pot down here in the bottom. It's just got to go. Like, I hope I don't have to go. I only use pots down here in the Philippines because they get it. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. It's a whole different one. So we're, we're here we go. We're out. He says, I need a couple of deck cans. Baylor in Boston. He had already figured out names. Oh, well, it's not, there's not very many of us there. Baylor in Boston. You're going to be my deck cans. I need y'all to hoist the mainsail. They get it about four feet in the air, and it hangs up. He goes, ha, 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 happens every time if you don't know how to hoist a sail. He... This is our son, romantic. I, they even used the word romantic at one point. 
sunset cruise. Romantic sunset cruise. So then he told me, he said, oh, you got ready to run tug on it like this. They tug on it, that's got the sail up, and we got all that going. He still had the engine running, and he's sitting back talking to me, Captain Tom. Captain Tom in his Bermuda shorts and tank top on a sunset cruise. Romantic sunset cruise. He says, you know what's funny about this water out here? He says, see those guys right there? He said, they're amateurs. They're stupid. This is the way Captain Tom talks to his customers on this romantic sunset cruise. He said, they're just stupid. He said, he said they are, they are going to ground that boat. He said, because as far as you can see, that water is only a foot deep. I'm like, what are we on this for? Because this is hailing more than a foot. You know what I'm saying? And he said, the Lord is as far as you can see that way. It's only a foot deep. You've got to know where the marks are. He said, I've come in and out of here, in and out of here. I know where the marks are. He took us out to a place called, are y'all interested in this or am I just boring you to death? <laughs> I, listen, he took us out to Shell Island. Nobody else comes here. I wonder why. Anyway. This is Captain Tom's place, man. Handsome sailor. Tiki hut. Sunset romantic cruise. And we get off. Oh, yeah. We get off and we, go, then we come back and we, we get the sailing back. And he goes like this to me. Hey! You ever steered a, steered a sailboat? And I'm like... One time, years ago, I was in Mexico, and a guy turned his sailboat over to me. He went, here, grab the wheel. I got to help them boys. We got we to put up the other sail, and we got to turn the rigging around. We got to do all this. He said, listen, he said, he's already told me it's one foot deep that way for as far as you can see, and one foot deep that way for as far as you can see. And he's like, do you see way off in the distance? You see that bridge? You can barely see. Yeah. You see on the side of that bridge, you see there's a H-E-B grocery store oval sign. I said, yeah, I see that oval sign. He said, do you see over here there's a green triangle? I said, yeah. He said, just keep it in between that for the moment. I'll be back. Sailboats go like this. You got I'm like, goodness. This went on for 30 minutes. He would come running back and say, do you see the yellow sign right there? I said, I sure do. He said, just keep the nose on that yellow sign right there. And every so often you see him look up and make sure I was watching the marks. And I just wonder how many times in our life do we frustrate ourselves because we don't know where the marks are. God has a powerful destiny for us in our lives. But how many times have I experienced being over here somewhere, maybe beached on a sandbar, thinking, how in the world did I even get over here? This can't be the race that God has marked out for me. And in fact, it wasn't. I had veered. You know, I mean, Raylene, she runs those marathons and 
It would be dismal if they didn't have a sign that says, and now turn right. And now turn left. Otherwise, we lose ourselves in the frantic pace of our lives and, and we lose track of this powerful destiny that God has called us to live out. See, I've discovered something about running a 5K. Every step you take is one step closer to the destiny. I mean, it's like, it's like you're running along and you're following the marks of the race. And as you follow those marks, there's still something ticking in the back of your head that said, any minute now you're going to turn the corner and you're going to see the finish line. Any minute now you're going to turn the corner and you're going to see what God has in store for you. Any minute now. And every step you take is a step toward that destiny that God has marked out for you in your life. And you say, well, pastor, then how do we know this? I mean, thankfully, the other day on that, on that sailboat, I had Captain Tom. If for nothing else, as far as an illustration is concerned, let's for a moment pretend that Captain Tom is the Holy Spirit. Do you see that oval sign? Can you see the green triangle? Just keep it between there. And you're going to be okay. Oh, I've got a Captain Tom verse for the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This Holy Spirit thing is so real and so powerful that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to guide us into all the truth. Now, I've, I've heard this verse used mostly through my lifetime as, well, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into the truth of God's Word or into doctrinal truth. You understand that. And I, I get that. I understand that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, guiding us into doctrinal truth. I'm thankful that there have been times in my life that I felt the ping of the Holy Spirit in my spirit say, ah, 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 that isn't what that means. No, that isn't what I meant there. That isn't what I intended to happen in your life. But listen to me. That verse is so much more than just doctrinal truth. Did you know that the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth about yourself? The Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth about your awesome and wonderful handmade self in God's image? Did you know that the Holy Spirit will guide you in the truth concerning your potential? Certainly the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth about your destiny. There are people under the sound of my voice right now that desperately need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, you're okay. See, so many people that have suffered from all kinds of abuses in their life and, 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 and they, they walk around with such a low self-esteem because they don't understand how beautiful they are in the eyes of God. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would speak into your life today and say, you look just fine. You're okay. I made you special. Well, Pastor, how then do we hear 
from the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this. It's a lost art in our culture. The art of prayer. See, I'll be honest with you. I don't know any other way that is more poignant from Scripture than this idea of prayer. That prayer somehow or another links and focuses us with heaven. That somehow or another when we pray, not only does heaven hear, but heaven speaks. I mean, the entire Bible is full of it. I mean, I look in the Word of God and it's Abraham trying to figure out what to do. And while he was trying to figure out what to do, what was he doing? Praying. I mean, it's Moses trying to figure out what to do, and what was Moses doing? Praying. What do you do when you get thrown in a lion's den, you? That's what they did. What do you do before you go into a fiery furnace, you? What do you do when you're facing crucifixion? You pray. Because it is through this tool, this powerful tool from the Word of God, this powerful tool called prayer, that not only does heaven hear from us, but we hear from heaven. Now here's, here's, here's the rub for me. When I was growing up, if you didn't complete the whole one-hour prayer wheel, then the 55 minutes you had done was worthless. Anybody with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, man, if I can't be a prayer warrior, prayer warriors play a prayer an hour. I had a preacher one time say, man, if you can't pray at least one hour a day, your prayer isn't working. Some of the best prayers I have ever prayed were less than a minute. Just saying. Some of the best prayers I've ever prayed were just those moments where I say, oh, my God, have mercy right now. My issue on prayer is this. It's not how long you pray, it's that you pray. It's that five-minute coffee with God in the morning. It's, it, it's, it's finding that place at lunch just to bow your head for a few moments and seek in God in prayer. There's no condemnation, whether it's one hour or five minutes, there's no condemnation. Praying is praying, and any praying you do helps you hear from heaven. Well, praise God. Don't be so busy. I mean, I, I, I go to, you know, Philippines. You look at people in the third world countries, and they, they find it much easier to find time to pray, probably because they don't have quick trip. No, you know, I mean, seriously. See, we have quick trip. Like, we get a headache. We're driving down the road. We pull into quick trip. We get a Dr. Pepper and a little package with two Advil. They don't have that. They don't have a little package with two Advil. I mean, it, it's there, but they can't afford it. And so when they get a headache, by and large, they got to pray. We've got to pray. we just got to pray about this. Is anybody in the house? See, the more desperate you become, the easier it is to pray, right? Maybe we need just a little more desperation. Not that we need to be in a situation where we don't have our blessings. I believe in our blessings, but... Sometimes we let our blessings get in the way of our prayer. Maybe we could just stir a passion up like Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that's in you. Stir it up. Make a decision. Make a decision to pray. Now I know you can hear from God in prayer. You hear from the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to your spirit. You'll feel those, you'll feel those things where 
I don't know about that. Oh, maybe I should, Holy Spirit, guide you if you'll listen. Well, praise God. Is that, is that deep for second church? Everybody okay? God will speak to you through his word. Some of the most powerful words I've gotten from the Holy Spirit were just right out of scripture. I had been praying, felt to go to the word and read the word and suddenly the scripture is illuminated by the Holy Spirit in my life. I think, man, that's right what I needed to hear. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you through the church, whether it's by preaching or by, by mingling with the people of God. How many of you ever got into a conversation with somebody and they just said exactly what you needed to hear and you went, wow, I needed to hear that. That was the Holy Spirit using them in a gift. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you through them in a gift. How many times you ever said under a sermon and said, I mean, I had, I had 15 people last week, they left church, as we were walking out the door, 15 people came to me and said, that sermon right there is exactly what I needed to hear today. How did I know that? I didn't know that, but the Holy Spirit does. Spirit, if you'll listen, you'll hear a word. To say, man, that blessed me. That that touched me. That that spoke to my circumstance. Yeah, we need to utilize those things, don't we? Utilize those things. Well, those are three primary ways that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He'll speak to us in prayer as we're praying. We'll we'll have inspiration. He'll speak to us in, through His Word speak to us through people and I'll say this when he speaks to us through people it's always confirming it's not direction it's confirmation somebody comes to me and says I feel like this and it's a shock to me I'm usually saying well that ain't the Holy Ghost if the Holy Spirit were speaking that to me I would have already been I would have already been feeling it does that make sense I would have already been feeling it it's a confirmation it's a word of confirmation it's what the Bible says not a word of direction but a word of confirmation Well, praise God. This is what I do know. If any of us are going to reach our destiny, we have to run the race that's marked out for us. And the Holy Spirit's job in this is to guide us into the truth. And there's one truth that the Holy Spirit needs to guide every one of us in right now. So listen to me real carefully. You were handmade in God's image. You are awesome and wonderful, and God likes you just like you are. Stand with me. Yes, he does. Stand with me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now over every life, over every person. I have spoken a very direct word, I feel, from your word, and and it may have stirred some things up in hearts. Father, I just pray that today would be a moment of comfort that somebody in this house would say, you know what? Even if I have strayed off of the path that was marked out for me, the Holy Spirit has a way of getting me back on track. And so I pray right now that people under the sound of my voice would be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit in their life, whether it's through prayer as they're praying, they have impressions laid upon their heart, whether it's through your word as the scripture is illuminated for their circumstance, or whether it's through the body of Christ and those who have operating in gifts of the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom or encouragement. I just pray right now that we would be sensitive to your voice. I thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Praise God. Our ushers.
If I could have a couple of ushers grab a couple of...